0: You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. Thank you so much for listening to Sermon Snippets. I hope it's an encouragement to you in the middle of your week. Um, I'm releasing this on Tuesday, but whenever you get to listen to it, hopefully it's just um, some additional time in God's word that you can spend reflecting on what he teaches us in the Bible. So we are going to look at Daniel's example today. We have quite a, a large portion of scripture we're going to try to read, and there's a lot to apply from this. But something I hope you get out of this study is a love for the man, Daniel. And I don't mean that in a you know, big manism or having heroes or anything like that. Not hero worship of Daniel. That's obviously only reserved for Christ. Christ is our hero. He's the one that we worship. But there's so much you can learn from Daniel. Remember, Daniel was a, he was a Jewish captive. He was a real man who lived. He has a huge role in eternity and the future coming up. But there's so much we can learn. And I want you to relate to Daniel. As we read about him today and the decisions he makes and what he does and how the Bible rightly labels Daniel as a man who has wise actions, a man who's full of counsel. We're going to see that today. So pay close attention to Daniel's example and let's try to learn from from him and what he does today. We're picking up in Daniel chapter 2 verse 14. So remember the decree went forth that Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy all of his counselors, and that includes Daniel and his friends. Now, it's interesting, we're going to see here as we read that the very thing that the king refused to give the Chaldeans and the wise men, he actually makes concession for with Daniel, and that is time. The king had refused to grant more time to the other wise men, but then when Daniel asks for more time, that's what the king gives him. We're going to see that in verse 16. So let's start reading in verse 14 here. It says, Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. So let's pause there for a second. We're seeing here that Daniel is going to reach out to the king, but he he first starts out. His first course of action is to ask. What was going on? So he took the time to talk to the captain, the king's captain. We know they had a friendship um, from earlier verses in Daniel. But so he asked him why the decree was so hasty. He wasn't quick to argue or reason or, or, you know, try to get his own opinion in there. He was willing to listen to the other side. And the Bible rightly labels Daniel as a wise man. There's, there's a lot we could learn from that. But then he approaches the king with his request. And attached to it is his promise to show the king not only the dream, but also the interpretation, the real interpretation, not a lie. And so Daniel earns the king's trust, and we're going to see that he's granted his request. So let's continue reading. Verse, seven, uh, verse 16, Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation so he goes before the king and makes his request verse 17 then daniel went to his house and made the thing known to hananiah mishael and azariah his companions i love this verse there's there's something about the phrase that daniel returned to his house that just resonates with us who are believers god followers uh, christians disciples and that is the peace of trusting in god You know, we can have an absolutely terrible day where everything goes wrong. We get all kinds of bad news. We can't do anything right. But then at the end of the day, we can simply return home to seek the Lord. No matter what's happening around us, no matter how bad it gets, never forget that our hope and peace and confidence is in Christ. And nothing can take that away from us. Also, going home is just the normal thing to do. John Phillips, in his commentary, he says, Daniel went home. Something about that is appealing. He did not go to some lonely hermitage in the wilderness or seek out some shrine where he could fast and pray. He went home. Daniel's religion was the everyday homey variety. And as it was, God rewarded his sweet and simple trust instantly. I love that. See, when he returned home, he told the bad news to his his three companions. And that's another thing that's a great benefit. That's a great advantage. Because we see what great friends these men were. And it's such a settling thing to have godly friends that we can lean on for support. You're not always going to have that. And the next chapter, Daniel is nowhere to be found when his friends face the fiery furnace. And then four chapters from now, we see that Daniel is facing the lion's den alone. So there's definitely times where we have to stand alone. But when you have a couple of strong Christian friends, it makes a big difference. And that fellowship and edification is one of the greatest purposes of the church, which, by the way, is made up of all true believers everywhere. Some people get mad at me because I take a stand on that. But that's what the Bible teaches. The church is all Christians. So, we see Daniel goes home, he, he returns home, he tells his friends, and then they request of the Lord. Verse 18, he says that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. It's interesting that this is the only verse that actually describes their prayer, their request for you know, this dream, this interpretation that was going to save their life. This is the only verse that describes it. It says that they would desire mercies of God. And so so we see, oh man, there's so much that we could learn from this. And we only have, what, like uh, eight minutes left this week. But we're going to plow through this, okay? So buckle in. So he goes to them that they would desire mercies. We'll just stop there, that they would desire mercies. Okay, so their prayer is based on, it's anchored in the very character of God. They were presuming upon the attributes of, And character of God. In other words, their prayer was banking on the fact that God is merciful, which He is. So they were banking on God's mercy, in their prayer. And that's how we ought to pray. We ought to pray, desiring who God is, desiring what God wants, and and appealing to to God's character. That's how we ought to pray. There's so many lessons we learned from this. Their prayer was prompt. It it was their first response. You know, if we realized the importance of prayer, it would surely be the first event in our day. And it would be the first response to any situation. We should go to God at the beginning of the day. We should go to God often throughout the day. And we should go to Him first in any trial that comes up in our day. But I want you to notice the title they use Desire Mercies of the God of Heaven. This is very important significant title used for God here. Remember, this is the times of the Gentiles. And as such, these men no longer refer to God as the God of Israel, but the God of heaven. Notice the shift. He's the God of the whole universe. This title for God is reserved in scripture for special circumstances when God is purposefully described in this way that emphasizes his interaction with the whole world instead of just his relationship with the Jews. So this is intentional here. God is portrayed through the perspective of the world empires. And you'll see this title, God of Heaven. It's mainly used in the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel. And so now we understand why. Because this is dealing with the empires of the world. The The whole world is a, a whole instead of just the Jewish people. And we see God interacting on, on the stage of world history. And it's also used, God of Heaven, is also used in Genesis and a certain conversation between Abraham and his servant. It's used in Second Chronicles in one place, describing the Persian Empire. It's used in Jonah, so we know why that is, and in Revelation. So you see the emphasis of this title, God of heaven. We're going to see this. We see it here in verse 18, we see it in verse 19, and then over in verse 28 it says, but there is a God in heaven. This is the theme of this part of Daniel. So this is another thing that verifies we're in the times of the Gentiles here. But we're going to see that one verse describing their prayer. Then, verse 19, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So there's the title again for God. But you see, how soon did he bless the God of heaven? It was immediate because it says, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel. The same word, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And so from verses 20 all the way to 23, we see his praise. The vast majority of the the prayer described here is not his prayer that he wants to get answered. It's his prayer thanking God for giving him the answer of praise. Let's read this. It says, starting in verse uh, 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Up to this point, he's been describing God. He's saying he, he's giving his attributes. He's praising God, but then he shifts and now it becomes more personal. In verse 23, I thank thee and praise thee. O thou God of my fathers who hast given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And for the first time in this book of Daniel we clearly see the theme of the whole book and it's through this heartfelt prayer of Daniel and, and that's in verses 20 and 21. He, he talks about God for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. And the theme for the whole book is that the most high ruleth in the kingdoms and in the affairs of men. So be encouraged. God is in control of everything. God's in control of wars and kings and powers worldwide powers god's in control of government defaults <laughs> okay god's in control of times and even the seasons in your personal life there's nothing that god does not have control over and we're going to break that down more historically as we get into this vision in the coming weeks hopefully next week and maybe we'll have to bleed over into one more week but we'll see that played out more but just remember Daniel introduces this theme right here. God is in control. He's the one that raiseth up kings. He's the one that's making decisions. And he's in control of the entire universe. But let's finish out by looking at the personal aspect of his prayer. In verse 23, I want to encourage you to make your prayers personal. After you praise God, after you thank him and, and you make your request, then make your prayer personal. One of the best ways to do this, especially in praise, is to keep track of answers to prayer. Or if you want an even longer list, write down blessings that God gives you that you didn't even ask for. Maybe sit down and take time to chart out your life, okay? When you have some free time, chart out your life and the decisions God has helped you to make and the blessings that he gave you along with those decisions. That will help you to pray and to praise God in a much more personal way as a part of your daily time with him. It's so important that we don't lose sight of who God is and and how God rules over the universe, but that we also bring it down to our personal lives. God is the one who helps us have wisdom. God gives us might, daily strength. He gives us our daily bread. God meets our physical and spiritual needs on a personal, daily basis. So. Let that be a challenge. Make your prayer personal. Sometime chart out your life. Okay, write down the blessings God gives you. And we'll pick up there looking at the example of Daniel next week. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.